Well, I feel like most of the apologies that I've I've made to my wife tend to be on the tamp side. My apologies are are one hundred percent sincere, but then she expects that to mean the thing that you're apologizing for you'll never do again. And I'm like, that's really not what it is. It's almost like apologizing for who I am, which cannot change, won't change. It won't change. People don't change. But people do change. I've I mean, changed. People do change. It takes, but here's here's what it takes. Some sort of physical manifestation of a desire to change. You can't just wish yourself into thinking. You have to act your way into thinking. So, you know, if you say, look, this is what I did wrong in the future. This is how I'm going to expect myself to behave. You might need to help me out because sometimes I'll get real scared and I'll revert to some old behavior. But if that happens, just go, hey, you're doing that thing that you said you weren't going to do. Yeah. Oh, okay. But by the way, this is a fantasy world that I'm talking about because guess what would never happen? What I'm saying in the real world. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. We do the thing you just said. We actually literally do that where it's like, hey, the thing you said, you're not doing it. I need you to do the thing you said. And then the other partner, and ideally, would go, you're right. Thank you for reminding me. But, but do you say it like do you say it like this? Hey, that thing you said you were doing, you wouldn't that thing you said you weren't gonna do, you're doing it. So all I'm saying is it proves my point. You can <laughs> you can do what's called behavior modification, but do you change? No. You you are dying to yourself in a different way for the person you care about. But are you changing? No. Well, I agree. I don't think you can change who you are, but I do know through experience that you can change the way you respond and behave to a great degree. Now, obviously, when the fear comes a calling, all that stuff goes out the window sometimes. But normally, yeah, you can you can you can do things differently. It is really hard in a charged up moment usually an argument or a disagreement or conflict to do all the nice things that we want to do in terms of like yeah. communicating maturely, moving through conflict. Those things get real hard to do when you're not feeling great or when the no. person you're talking. I find too that sometimes I'm really, I'm, I'm ready to be positive and move through conflict. But if your partner isn't in that same spot, it isn't going to work. And then there are times when, I'm inconsolable and my wife's ready to apply some some of the things we've learned. Uh, but man, you both got to be on the, you got to be ready for application time. It's like putting preparation H on. You, you have to, you have to be ready for that. Well, I don't know if you've ever put preparation H on, but I have. I haven't. <laughs> well, those days are coming, buddy. And when they come, <laughs> you're not going to like it. Well, welcome to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. We are recording a little early today because we just found out, I think, that both your mom, Katie, who's a friend of mine, and my wife, Isabel, who you also know, share a birthday. Yeah, that's weird, right? Yeah, that's neat. That's a neat thing. Sometimes life will throw a little neat thing at you, and it's 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 to make up for all the horror in the world, and then you go, that's pretty neat. I think it's cool that, you know, like two 
of the most important women in our lives share a birthday. It's really cool. I mean, now, do I believe in astrology? Do I believe that when you were born, like, makes a difference? I kind of do think that, like, the Libras that I know are kind of similar. So I do think there are some. there's something about when you were born that affects who you are. But do I believe in astrology? No. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, what do you do when someone you respect, a friend of yours, perhaps? How about my wife, who's totally into Tells astrology. you they believe in astrology. That's a tough one because... Uh... But here's the thing about astrology. So my wife, like, recently blew... I'm not even going to say how much it was because it was too much money on an astrology, not a reading, but a consultation with this lady who's like a thousand years old. She's like as old as the oldest witch in the fucking Lord of the Rings. Well, I'll, I'll do an astrology consultation with someone who's a thousand years old. No problemo. Show me that driver's license. Yeah, I don't Show know. Show me that she, birth certificate. Like 80, 90 range. Sorry. So she, gets on, so she gets on the phone and my wife like recorded the conversation because she said she could and you know maybe she would find it helpful later. Dude, this lady came in just knocking balls out of the park about everything like everything she and like my wife like you know played it back for me it was amazing so i do think that certain people are super intuitive like they're able to just get so much information from the tone of somebody's voice or at the time of day that they're calling or just you know just what they say and because they're so intuitive, they can really kind of figure some stuff out quickly, subconsciously, and they'll hang their hat on astrology or tarot or, you know, the occult or one of these things that they hang their hat on. But really, it's just this crazy intuitive gift that they have. My wife has it. I mean, she we can watch them literally two minutes of a movie and she'll know exactly what's going to happen in the movie. And like, we listened to serial. Did you listen to that podcast? No. So it's, it's set up to where you don't know if this guy who's in jail committed this murder or didn't. And I listened to the first three episodes and I was like, yeah, I don't know if this guy's guilty or not, but I was like, this might be something I'm, my wife might be interested in. So I'm like, Hey, why don't you listen to it with me? And I'll listen to the three episodes with you again. So we started listening to it, and literally five minutes in, she's like, oh, that guy's guilty. Right, but flip a coin, and you're 50% chance of being correct on that. No, but she's 100% correct all the time. So then I just started listening to it with the idea, oh, this guy's guilty, because my wife's always right about this. And when you listen to it where you know the guy's guilty, you realize, oh, the guy's 100% guilty. You only don't know if he's guilty if you're listening to it with an open mind. Hmm. It was cool. It was it was neat. Anyways, astrology. Well, it's definitely not a thing, but... It's definitely not a thing, dude. It's all made up. I knew a lady who fucking wrote astrology things for the internet, and people would be like, oh, your shit's so, like, on point. And she was like, yeah, but I'm just making it all up. Of course she is. Where the planets are when you're born don't mean shit for reality. Now, your genetics matter. <laughs> your heredity matters. What your parents were like matters. Almost... Um, in a to a depressing degree. I was just listening to Sam Harris's new podcast where he talks to a, a geneticist, and they were talking about all these studies they do on 
identical twins and non-identical twins, uh-huh. but but who were separated at birth and raised in different environments. And he's just like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter who raises you. You're who you are. But like when you were listening to the podcast, was the guy like, yeah, it doesn't, it should matter, but it doesn't matter like who raised you. Yeah, it, like, he had a, Sam Harris's guest was just a chick at brunch. So can you say that? He just, he just <laughs> got some <laughs> random chick from the valley yeah. to come down. And join him for a, for a quickie lunch. And then he was like, you know what? I have a podcast that over a million people. Sub- you haven't known anything about heredity. And most of the time, I just interview like Nobel Peace Prize winners and uh, Pulitzer Prize winning, you know, doctors at Stanford. I'll have a mimosa and I'll have a glass of water in the tallest glass you have because <laughs> I'm hungover, by the way. Can we talk about genetics and non-identical twin studies? Yeah, the way you're wearing that makes me think you got something to say, girl. What do you think about twins who have been separated? Well, I had a friend <laughs> who knew somebody. All right, I've lost the accent. All right, John Walters writes in. By the way, you can write in bobandclint at gmail.com. We'll read it on the show. Isn't that neat? He says, if I had any interest in hanging out with people, I'd like to hang out with you two guys, but I don't. And that's the email. <laughs> thank you. By the way, <laughs> thank you. We I'm appreciate glad. that. We appreciate, we appreciate that. that more than you can know. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Jason Beret writes in and says, I was moved by your guys' discussion about emotional musical experiences in one of the more recent episodes. In 2011, I saw Springsteen and the E Street Band at the Moda Center in Portland. No opening act, just three solid hours of them doing what they do best. They came out with all the arena lights still on and played Land of Hope and Dreams. Couldn't help it. I cried through the entirety of the first song. It was like church for misfits and fuck-ups. I'll never forget it. Sincerely, Jason Beret. I've cried at a few concerts. I cried at the last Tool concert. I did not. I was crying to my wife to leave early. You cried during Author and Punisher. Man, Author and Punisher, the reason I loved that so much, it just never, I'd never experienced anything like it before. And it was, it, it was so unexpected. And just sonically, it just, it just was different than anything I'd experienced. I, that's what I live for in art and music. I mean, that's why like people are like, oh, what kind of music do you like? Do you like singer-songwriter? And I'm like, I probably should like singer-songwriters, but I don't. It's so, even if it's super well-crafted, I just like stuff that's weird and different that I've never heard before. When I when I hear something like that, then I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. I saw a Justin Chancellor interview. He's the bass player for Tool. Recently, he was wearing an author and Punisher t-shirt. I thought of you. I now think of you when I think of both um well when i three things when i think of authors i think of you punishers i think of you and then author and punisher together i think of you so too too <laughs> too soon to forget too hard too too, too forgetful too forgetful to know too hard to, to soft think. boiled egg two two eggs wait <laughs> i love the idea of him too, doing math too hard to, too hard to be soft boiled too soft boiled to be hard the egg that I'm eating now. How about author and Punisher trying to figure out the tip at a restaurant? Too, too small of a bill to pay 15%. <laughs> he just got coffee. Too 15% to 
to pay the bill. Doug McLeod writes in and says, hey guys, listening to my uh, old I'm the Man album on my old tube amp standalone Motorola record player circa 1950. Do you guys listen to vinyl, have record players, or even care? I got Bob's King Kong 3-disker, and it's a meaty, beastie, beautiful record of genius and heft. Do you guys have libraries of vinyl and bother to play them ever? Seems like you watch a lot of TV. Me too, not judging. Love is too affectionate. I like you guys. Cheers. So, vinyl collection. You got a vinyl, you got a small little collection over there. I do. I don't listen to it because the record player is upstairs where my wife does her art, and I'm not going up there to listen to records. I used to have it downstairs kind of in a cupboard, and that was also hard to get to. I think the key is it has to be easy to load i'm looking at yours right now like you just go over there you pull out a record and put it on it's easy it's quick and you're you're immediately you know listening accessibility is a big part of it yeah yeah so no the answer for me is no i've got two entire rigs i've got a what i call the a rig in my living room where i keep most of my pieces probably 600 in there and then i've got a b rig in my studio where i keep about 100 pieces of shit i'm excited about Talk about the the talk about the fast train to divorce land. I want to put a third record player on my on my nightstand upstairs so I can listen to records at night. But that got that got squashed. Well, I'll be the voice of reason and say that's too many record players. It is, but I'm trying to hang on to anything, bro. That's me trying. Did you listen to that William Shatner? Are you familiar with that record? That no. William Shatner record? No. Dude, it is a it's so he did a record in the seventies that I think he meant to be like kind of serious. That's considered like a classic sort of comedy album, right? It's William Shatner doing all these hits, but he's doing them like, you know, with all the force and vigor of William Shatner. And so then he did a record ten years ago with. Uh, that's kind of a funny story, actually. He did a record with Ben Folds producing, and mm-hmm. it's an amazing record. And on this one, obviously, he knows how funny the first record is, and it's all tongue-in-cheek, and it's beautifully done, and it's it's, it's got... kind of him as a lounge singer, right? It's just him being William Shatner. But I, I think in the 70s, he was taking himself very seriously. Now, I don't know if he knew how funny he was back then. Now, of course, he knows exactly how funny he is, and he plays it for all it's worth. So when that record came out, it came out at exactly the same time as I'm good now. So God, that would have been like 14 years ago, actually. I uh, was working with this record company at the time and they're like, Hey man, can you call up all these record stations and uh, who are playing your Captain Kirk single and thank them for playing it? I'm like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And so they sent me this list, dude, the list they sent me, there was not a single city that I recognized the city. That's good news. It was like Punkyville, Borscht, Borscht <laughs> City, uh, f- fuck, fuck you, fuck you town. You know, just all like I'd never heard like. Well, I've heard of Punkyville. I've yeah, heard of some well, of those. Who hasn't heard of Punkyville? So did you that, give him a call? Well, so finally I'm like looking down this list and I get to one and it's Anchorage. I'm like, oh, I recognize Anchorage, <laughs> Alaska, population five, population five anyway so i'm like all right well let me call this city because i know the city so i dial the number that's on here ring ring hello seven thousand dollar phone call by the way i'm like hey uh can i talk to the uh music programmer you guys are playing my 
Captain Kirk single and I uh, just wanted to say hi. And the guy's like, oh, I'm the music, I'm the music program. <laughs> of course, there's one guy working there, of course. You know, it's like, it's like, it's a guy. The radio station's like in his bedroom or something. Yeah, it's a one-man shop. Anyways, he's super excited. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, man, we love the single. Man, we've been playing it forever. And I'm like, and uh, I'm like, oh, cool, man. I really, really appreciate it and stuff. And he's like, he he says some, I forget what it was, but at some point I realized he didn't know who I was. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he's like, who are you again? I'm like, I'm Bob Schneider. I'm the guy who wrote the song Captain Kirk. And he's like, oh, I thought you were talking about the William Shatner Oh boy. Single. Oh boy. And I was like, nope. All right. Bye bye. I don't know if he knew. Yeah. I, I think it, at first he was excited that it was William Shatner, but then obviously realized pretty quickly I'm not William Shatner. I'm Bob Schneider. Even though my William Shatner accent is pretty good that's happened to me a few times in my life where someone thought i was someone else and it was just it's horrible um one of my favorite bands is a band called guster and i ended up playing a show with them opening for them was with my friend griffin house and i was hanging out kind of in the backstage area and i i've mustered up the courage finally to tell the guitar player hey man huge fan been a huge fan of yours since your first album and it's such a such an honor to play this show with you and he's like oh thanks man he's like wait a minute did I meet you on did I meet you on the rock boat a couple of years ago? And I was like, oh, no, no, I've never met you before. I, I would know that because again, I'm a huge fan. And he's like, no, no, no. Were you on the rock boat? Like, whatever year? And I was like, I was, but and I know you were there too, but we didn't meet then. He's like, no, no, we met. We met. And uh, I was like, wow, this sucks because I, I, he doesn't know we didn't meet because he meets lots of people he doesn't care about. And I'm one of them. Right. I very much care about him. And I know that we didn't meet. So uh, there, this also happened to both me and you at the same time once. Do you remember this story? We were playing in Austin and Camp Freddy was playing. Camp Freddy is a super group oh, right. cover band. Ugh. You remember yeah. this? I only remember it and how bad I felt. We were backstage and someone was like, oh, the Lincoln Park guys want to say hey to you guys. And we were like, oh, okay. We were backstage. It was like Fred Durst and Perry Farrell, Dave Navarro, chain smoking backstage at the Moody Theater, Matt Sorum's hanging out. And they're like, oh, yeah, the Lincoln Park guys want to say hi. We were like, hell yeah, cool. And then when we were introduced to them, they didn't know who we were. I don't even know if we were in, were we even introduced or did we go back there and just were kind of hanging out and they saw us and didn't register anything? No, some guy came up to you and goes, hey man, the uh, Lincoln Park guys want to say hi. They're like really right. excited that you're here. Right. And I'm like, oh yeah, Lincoln Park, they're into me. Yeah. And, and I was just. they didn't, they didn't know who I was. Well, then it was just that awkward 45 to 90 second hallway hang where it's like, Hey guys, so this is Bob Schneider and this is Chester and whatever the other fucking guy's name is. And I was like, oh, awesome, man. Awesome. So like, and you just realize that horrible dawning over the 30 to 45 seconds of like, oh, they don't know why they're talking to us. And right. And this sucks. So then we have to get out of it. Yeah. I just assume nobody knows who I am. So when they do, I'm always like, are you sure? All I know is this. Bob Dylan knows who I am. So. 
Hey, world, go fuck yourself. You win, dude. I just got yeah. his new album. Isn't there a story in Todd Snyder's book about you? And you're like, it's really cool because I'm in the book. The only problem is that didn't happen. <laughs> I don't know. He always says that he knows me, but then I've met him a couple times and he acts like he knows me, but I don't. It's weird. I don't know. I love I love him so much. I think he's one of the greatest songwriters ever. When was the last time you did that to somebody where it was just easier to pretend you knew why you were talking to them than go, I'm sorry, what's your name again? Or what? Who? Dude, I always give everybody one chance. I always give everybody one chance to like, let's all pretend like we know each other. Because I really don't. I'm not good with names. I'm not even really good with faces anymore. So when somebody comes up and they're like, hey, what's up? I'm like, hey, how you doing? And if they go, if they go, do you remember me? I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. That's their one chance. <laughs> That's because I'm trying to be polite. I'm just trying to be nice. Yeah, so they got one course. chance, which is, of course I do. What's my name? Now, that's chance number two. And then I go from polite to, I don't know who you are. <laughs> And then we're done with that bullshit because <laughs> oh, there's boy. no winning. Cause then, cause I've done the thing where I'm like, Oh, don't worry. I know what your name is. You're, that's funny. You're being funny. That yeah, I don't sport. Know. No, yeah, what is tiger. it though? Tell me what it is. Cause at that point you're now, you're being a liar and kind of a, and so I'm like, I'm, I'm done playing that game forever. Yeah. And then they're like, Oh, you know, we dated. I'm like, well, obviously you were, fucking uninteresting as fuck because i don't remember you at all Oof. and guess what spoiler alert we didn't date <laughs> i was gonna I thought you were gonna say spoiler alert it didn't work out <laughs> <laughs> no spoiler alert we didn't date they just made that shit up people make shit up i've dude. never made that up I've, that's an interesting lie to tell like either that you dated someone or that you slept with someone that you didn't because it's well, going to right, come but, around. It's such a it's such a short game lie. Well, and then it's like, oh, we went to dinner one time or something. You know what I mean? It's never what it's anyways. It's all stupid. So here's an interesting email from Greg, by the way, once again, Bob and Clint at gmail.com here on Vocal Hour. Uh, he says, may the best roaster win. Bob and Clint, thanks for helping us get through this apocalyptic nightmare. I thoroughly enjoy when you guys compliment each other. How about an honest-to-goodness roast of each other? No holding back. Regards. Um, I am not interested no, in doing that. No, I'm not. No. We're too sensitive. I'm sensitive. You're sensitive. No. We don't want to be roasting each other. Horrible. I would never even do that as a celebrity. Like, why do people go to go to their own roast? They always get hurt. Their feelings get hurt, for sure. Roasting somebody is like fighting somebody. I don't want to get hit, and I don't want to hit anybody. Like, I don't want to beat anybody up, and I certainly don't want to get beat up. Yeah, I'm not looking to say mean things about my friends. Dude, it's somebody just... will say something nice to me, and I'm looking at them for, like, any telltale signs of, like, fibbishness behavior, fibbing, fib, fibular, fibular behavior. I'm like, are, are they really? Mm, I don't know. I'm not buying this. Because they couldn't possibly be earnestly just telling you a compliment, paying you a compliment. <laughs> I, I just, I have low self-esteem. I mean, I don't know what to say. Um, We got one more email to read here. We just, basically, we went into the to the mail room. And we said, we're cleaning this out today. My name's Clint Wells. I'm cleaning out the mail room, bitch. <laughs> well, they've been backed up because we've just been talking about other shit. 
Oh, we just got a bunch of more ones. This is Doug. It says, I think Lyle Lovett's If I Had a Boat is about as good as you can get. And he says, it you is. did. I love that song. Oh, dude. Amazing. You know who introduced me to that song? Dave Matthews, of all people, because he used to cover it back in 2003. He says, you did Piggyback, which is a masterpiece. You could feel Thank good you. for the rest of your time because of that creation from you to us. Thank you. He says, it's special. Thanks. So there you go. There's a compliment. He did in the email with a big, psych! Um... That was a callback to your insecurity. That's pretty, that's pretty funny. Thanks. Anyway, yeah, so he likes Piggyback. That's also one of my favorites. I'm happy with the way that song turned out. Every, You know, you, when you get a good song, you're like, oh, thank you. It feels great. But then two days later, you're like, well, got to find a new one. I've been watching this show alone where they're just dropped off in some remote place and then they have to fend for themselves. And I'm telling you, they're like, one day they'll catch like five fish and they'll be eating like champs. And then a week later they haven't caught any fish. And I'm like, oh, that's like songwriting. With your, with my low self-esteem, I can't survive off the fish that I caught five weeks ago or two months ago. I need that new fish. <laughs> I mean, it seems like I should be able to like go to sleep at night knowing that I wrote piggyback and like be okay. But. I need new fish. Okay. Got it. <laughs> Dude, I almost had that accident. That's like trying to catch that fish and then having it slip off the line. What you need is you need your you need the key that unlocks the door to that accent. So it's some phrase. Oh, great. I just had a fucking giant spider crawling on my leg. Wow. I was like, oh, man, hopefully that's a drop of sweat. But no, it wasn't. It was a giant fucking spider. <laughs> You're handling it. Uh, much better than I think I would be. Well, I mean, I live in the country. There's a lot of spiders. I, I don't mind. Sp I don't mind spiders. I just don't want them crawling on me. Yeah, it's a pretty simple contract that I also make with the arachnid species. It's like, look, I'm not going to kill you today. My wife is going to put you outside. But here's the deal. Go tell all of your kind that the Wells family are kind to the spiders and that we're the friend of the spider. And stay the fuck out of my house. I know. I do think that spiders are sentient and can, can communicate with each other. And I feel like the few times in my life where I've killed a spider, I'm like, oh, there are other spiders watching this murder that I just committed. And now they're all going to be like, let's fuck that guy up. Only a million of its babies in the corner, horrified, <laughs> watching you kill Dude, mama. You killed their mom. And now they're going to spend the rest of their life fucking chewing on they're like oh yeah we're crawling down his throat when he goes to bed we're laying eggs in his fucking ear tonight <laughs> right <laughs> yeah you can't be killing those spiders nah dude if you were on patreon like some lucky people are you'd be able to like watch this video of this podcast that we're doing and you would see these beautiful people right here yeah so bob's got uh what do we even call those like cutouts of me and you like little cartoon characters of i'm okay you're okay yeah you'd be able to see inside our private lives and that is a really good uh way to end it by reminding you all that you can support us via patreon it's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash letters i-o-k you get secret weekly bonus content every week you get to see videos of the normal episodes and secret weekly videos uh, when the world doesn't have a uh, pandemic happening, you're going to be getting postcards, and you also get a couple of downloads of some songs that Bob and I wrote, and you get all the songs that I write all the time. So it's a pretty good deal over there at Patreon. You get so much stuff, and 
all you're getting rid of is stuff that makes you unhappy, which is your money. That's a great point. So trade in the stuff that makes you unhappy for stuff that makes you feel good. I mean, like, so like, so like I had like a dollar burning a hole in my pants, but I gave it to Patreon. And now I feel like I turned that dollar into five dollars worth of <laughs> happiness. Dude, I can't even do the accent at all. All right, let's call it a day. <laughs> all right, see you on the flip flop piece. Peace. <laughs>